0: I greet you in the powerful name of Christ. Happy birthday, Pastor Jazz. I'm glad to be standing in for you today. I'm kicking off a new series for Atlanta First and Bethel this morning. The sermon title is Christ, Messiah, King. Who would imagine? Who would imagine that God would do something like this? Who would imagine? We have heard, read to our hearing, Isaiah 9, six through seven, but I'm going to read it uh, one more time. For a child has been born for us, a gift of a son. For us, he'll take over the running of the world. His names will be amazing, counselor, strong God, eternal father, prince of wholeness. His ruling authority will grow and there will be no limits to the wholeness he brings. He'll rule from the historic David throne, Over that promised kingdom, he will put that kingdom on a firm footing and keep it going. With fair dealing and right living, beginning now and lasting always, the zeal of the God of the angel armies will do all this. Let us pray. Dear gracious Lord, we come before you today to humbly preach your word. Let me decrease in Christ's increase, that you will open hearts and ears to inspire us not only to be hearers of your word, but doers as well. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in this sight. Oh, Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. And the church said, amen. Today is the first Sunday, and first Sunday of Advent. And we will be embarking upon a new series, a a book by Adam Hamilton, entitled Incarnation Rediscovering the Significance of Christmas. His insights are so timely as the first chapter is called Presidents and Kings. Let's begin our, our time together by gaining a little more insight into Advent. We decorate the church, we decorate our homes, we put up wreaths, Christmas tree, hang white lights. All of this is not so much about the excitement of Santa Claus coming from the North Pole as retailers would have us to believe, but about the Messiah, the King, the Christ child born in Bethlehem. So what is Advent? I'm so glad you asked. Advent is the beginning of the Christian year. Advent is roughly the four-week season before Christmas when many Christians commemorate the first coming of Christ and anticipate his second coming. The word Advent from the Latin Adventus or Greek parousia means coming or arrival. The Advent season is focused on the coming of Jesus the Messiah, the Christ, or the King. So our Christian worship, our Bible readings and prayers not only prepare us spiritually for Christ's first coming and for Christmas, but also for his eventual second coming. This is why Bible readings during Advent contain both Old and New Testament passages related to the expected Messiah. Jesus' second coming. As judge of us all, we find in some of these New Testament passages as well. Also passages about John the Baptist, the precursor who prepared the way for the Messiah, are read. When the church celebrates the liturgy of Advent each year, she makes present this ancient expectancy expectancy of the Messiah. For by sharing in the long preparation for the Savior's first coming, the faithful renew their ardent desire for his second coming by celebrating the precursor of his birth and martyrdom. The church unites herself to his desire. He must increase, but we must decrease. Since Advent looks forward to Christ's birth and incarnation, is it, is it is a very appropriate way to begin our church year. Moreover, Advent is not part of Christmas season itself, but simply to prepare us. That is why we are embarking upon Adam Hamilton, who is a prolific writer and a senior pastor of the United Methodist Church of the Resurrection in Leewood, Kansas, He serves a 22,000-member church, the largest United Methodist congregation in the world. His book, Incarnation, Rediscovering the Significance of Christmas, I invite you to read. It is so timely, and it is only four chapters in the epilogue. Easy reading. You can do this as you turn your face toward Christ and toward the expected Jesus. In this book, Adam Hamilton states that every four years on the first Tuesday after November 1st, America elects a president. On that day, we also elect all of the members of the House of Representatives and one third of the Senate. It is an important day for our nation, but also one that highlights and exacerbates the deep divisions in our society. There will be victory speeches and concession speeches. One person will be the new leader of the free world. You see, in each election, opposing candidates offer competing visions for our nation, conflicting solutions to our problems and often divergent policies aimed at accomplishing these visions and solving these problems. To get their message out, they would have spent over $1 billion or more just to get elected. Meanwhile, political action committees will spend about another billion dollars, much of it seeking to cast aspersions on the candidates they oppose. Are you tired of all of that yet? Georgia is still in the midst of all of that as we have a runoff in January. But turn away from all of that. All that decries of polarization we need that many of us participate in through our conversations and our use of social media. There is no mistaking it. We are a divided nation. With the most people ever voting since the 1900s, uh, here we are. Deeply, deeply divided. It is to this backdrop that Hamilton continues poignantly. He says, roughly three weeks after Election Day, Advent arrives, and Christians prepare to celebrate the birth of their king. This season puts into perspective all of our political wrangling, if you will let it. Christians think about their president and whoever we voted for in the various elections. We are meant to to know that there is only one king. One king. It is to him we give our highest allegiance. While our politics divide us, all of them, on the other hand, should bring us back together, back to the table, back to worship, uniting us around the newborn king, and Christ's life, message, ministry, death, and resurrection. Let me say that again. Advent should bring us together, uniting us around the newborn king. When thinking about current situation in America and the identity and call of Christ our king, as you consider where we are as a nation, deeply divided, and the identity and call of Christ our King, I invite you to think on these words of our founder, John Wesley. Would to God that all party names and unscriptural phrases and forms which have divided the Christian world were forgot, and that we might all agree to sit down together as humble, loving disciples at the feet of our common master, to hear his word, to hear his word, to imbibe his spirit, and to transcribe his life in our own. Evan beckons all who consider themselves Christians, regardless whether or not they are Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Green, or Independents. Each of us are asked to come to the table and there fall on our knees as a shepherd truly did, yielding our allegiance, our hearts, and our will to the newborn king. Isaiah nine sixty seven brings us back to this understanding. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders. Thus, let's focus on the Christ child, a moment, and remember who we are as Christ followers. Further in the Old Testament, it speaks of King David's coronation and anointing as Israel's second king. Matthew begins his telling of the Christmas story with these words now the birth of jesus the messiah took place in this way in luke's account found in chapter 2 of the christmas story the angel announces jesus birth to the shepherds do not be afraid for i am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people to you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. We're looking at the names of Jesus today. And so Messiah is an anglicized version of the Hebrew word, mashiach It literally means anointed with oil or anointed one. And it refers to an individual object upon which special oil has been poured as a way of setting the object or person apart for God's purposes. So we know that Messiah means anointed one. But in the most common usage, it is just another way of saying king. Further in Hamilton's words, just as Jesus' campaign was not what we'd expect from one seeking to rule. His anointing and coronation was likewise out of the ordinary. Typically, the king was anointed with oil by the high priest or a prophet like Samuel, just as Britain's queens and kings are anointed by the Archbishop of Canterbury. But our Jesus, our Jesus, our king, was not anointed at the hands of a high priest, but at the hands of three women. And so first, anointing is a sign for the one being baptized, confirmed, or anointed, that illness or death, that they too belong to God, are holy and set apart for God, and that the Holy Spirit's presence is with them. And so just as we have been baptized and confirmed, we are anointed, that we are holy and set apart for God, that the Holy Spirit presence is with us. In Eugene Peterson's The Message, Isaiah uh, writes in 9, verses 2 through 5, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, but those who lived in the land of deep shadows, light sunbursts of light, you repopulated the nation, you expanded its joy, oh, they're so glad in your presence, festival, joy, the joy of great celebration, sharing rich gifts and warm greetings, the abuse of oppressors and the cruelty of tyrants, all their whips and cudgels and curses is gone done away with, a deliverance as surprising and sudden as Gideon's old victory over Midian. So secondly, Jesus urged his followers to let their light shine by their good deeds. And in this way, people will be drawn into the kingdom. We are people of the light. Consider this. Consider this. The citizens of this kingdom would seek to do God's will. They would love God with all their hearts, souls, minds, and strength. And they would love their neighbors as they love themselves. The ethic of this kingdom would involve each citizen treating others, the golden rule, as they wish to be treated and demonstrating that selfless love Can such a kingdom really exist on earth? Even Jesus asked his disciples to pray to God for this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Finally, the Jesus we follow is a single most influential person to have walked this planet. I want you to know that the good news is today, nearly a third of the world's population claims Jesus as their king. Far more have been influenced by the things he taught, the values he espoused, the life he lived. I don't believe it's an overstatement to say that he is the single most influential person to have walked this planet, says Adam Hamilton. For those who count him as king, as I do, we awaken each day recognizing that the highest allegiance, our deepest devotion, and our greatest commitment is not to country or political party or even to family, but to Jesus the Christ, our King. Even today, as we wake up amid COVID, even today, as we seek to speak with our families, and love one another. Even today, as we seek to reach out and meet the needs of those who are less fortunate than ourselves, even today, the good news is, is, as we do unto the least of these, we do it unto King Jesus. So today, today's election and political parties will be but a footnote in the annals of history. But King Jesus, the Christ, Jesus, the King, Jesus, the Messiah. Isaiah nailed it. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders. He is named Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince, of peace. His authority shall grow continually and there shall be an endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice, justice and righteousness from this time on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts, God promises, will do this. It's good news, it's good news, it's good news. And Christ's kingdom shall reign forever and ever and ever. In the name of the creator God, the sustainer God, and the redeemer God. Amen, amen, and amen.